The Last Word with Matt Cooper. John Gibbons with us for our weekly environment spot. And on Monday night's programme, Joe Shea, during our TV and streaming section, recommended a programme on Channel 4 last night called Chris Packham, Is It Time to Break the Law? And it was aimed at people who support climate change activism. Did you watch it, John? I did indeed, Matt, yeah. It was on last night on uh, between 9 and 10 on Channel 4, yeah. Okay, and what did it advocate? Yeah, I mean, I guess, first of all, Chris Packham is a very mainstream guy. Uh, he's a conservationist by training, uh, an ecologist, and I suppose he comes to comes to the issue not really, if you like, from, from he comes really through the the lens of conservation. So he probably would recall would would regard himself, if you like, as something of a reluctant activist. Um, and what he wanted to explore, I think, and and I have to be honest, watching it, I I, I really felt uh, uh, I could identify exactly with what he was saying. Is that those of us who involved in environmental and climate advocacy basically we're you know we're shouting we're talking we're being interviewed we're writing articles we're in his case making tv programs but nobody seems to be seriously listening nothing seems to be changing in fact it, it was quite uh, it was quite a quite the thing that a few hours before that went out last night uh Sunak's government basically abandoned their green I'm policy. I know we'll come to that. that yeah. yeah. So essentially, what 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 he was trying to figure out really was, you know, where are we going? Are we running out of road? Uh, we've just seen, you know, the the, the ferocious summer of twenty twenty three. We're seeing you switch on your TV or your 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 web feeds, and you're watching catastrophic floods, uh, heat waves, droughts sweeping around the world. We're seeing food systems crumbling, and I think his question really is: as somebody who has followed this, who understands what's going on. Number one, he's deeply, deeply frustrated. And number two, he's asked himself the question, speaking aloud really, what do I do? Well, Can I do more? This listener says, and this came in just before we started, ask John Gibbons if he agrees with Chris Packham, who apparently is now advocating breaking the law to advance the green agenda. I agree we should try to change our behaviour, but I don't agree with law breaking. And that's the way many people seem to feel because we've already discussed for example the loutish behaviour which took place outside government buildings and Doyle Aaron yesterday so how far removed from that type of loutish behaviour is the behaviour of many of the climate change activists who have done things not mainly here in Ireland but elsewhere to try and advance their arguments? Sure. The two main groups uh, that we're talking about here, Matt, would be initially Extinction Rebellion and more recently a group called Just Stop Oil. Now, they have been studiously non-violent, studiously, unlike those people on the street yesterday. They're not trying to intimidate politicians. They're not trying to attack uh, and dox librarians. These are ordinary people drawn from all walks of life, not far-right extremists. These are people, doctors, nurses, paramedics, people from all walks of life who've got involved in the climate movement because they understand the grave danger that it presents to all, to everybody. And I would say this, people who, for example, sit down in front of traffic, some of the things we've seen, they're really disturbing images. I'm sure you've seen the footage. Mm in Germany and in Britain where people who are protesting, they're blocking traffic and they're being attacked by drivers, actually physically assaulted. I saw one woman dragged by the hair off the road and then kicked by a driver, and a quote, angry driver. Now, you were talking a little bit earlier about people's right to protest, and I absolutely stand over that. But, for example, we had extremely disruptive farmer protests in, in, in Dublin a few months ago. And, by the way, good luck to them. Now, did you see anybody attacking, beating on farmers? You didn't. Of course you didn't, because we recognise it as legitimate protest. What's and happened? it would be wrong to attack of, any farmer who protests. Of course it would. Now, absolutely. But the difference, what's happened, particularly in the UK, is that the right-wing media have gone out of their way to demonise 
climate activists and environmental advocates and to label them as zealots and extremists. And but hold on, but don't those people do say the same about the government? I mean, are you not going to effectively now call Rishi Sunak, the British Prime Minister, a capitalist zealot who is refusing to give you what you want in relation to environmental reform? Well, I think if, if we were uh, to talk about Rishi Sunak and what he's done, basically what he's done is he's put a bomb under 10 to 15 years of unified British government policy, Matt. This is the thing. I mean, even the, Boris Johnson is criticising him over it. I almost choke saying it, but Boris Johnson, uh, for all his many, many failings, absolutely grasp the need uh, for a, a rapid transition away from fossil fuels and so on and was on that particular pathway. Uh, Rishi Shunak, on the other hand, um, he basically, the, the Tories are drowning. Electorally, they're 20 points off Labour. Now, what happened recently was there was a couple of by-elections and to everybody's surprise, the Tories scraped in and won. And the issue, the sort of fringe issue that they did was this abolition of these ultra-low emission zones in London. Because guess what? People don't like, you know, when they're driving the Range Rover into town, they don't like the fact that they can't drive their big uh, diesel vehicle into an ultra-low emission zone. Now, those zones, of course, were brought in as a health measure, not, 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 not for any other reason, not a climate measure, it's a health measure. And... The Tories were able to weaponize, uh, if you like, air pollution as a, as a benefit. In other words, we'll give you more air pollution and less regulation. And what the Tories have reckoned is that this is a wedge issue. Yeah, we can give you worse air quality than Labour. If you vote Tory, you're going to get worse air quality. But guess what? You'll have an extra fiver in your pocket and you'll think you're better off. There's an argument he's making, though, that what he's suggesting is pragmatic. It's achievable, that you can't get to net zero by 2050, that you can't ban new fossil fuel cars in five years, that it simply is not practical. Yeah, and on that, I mean, the, the reaction to him has actually been pretty funny. Um, the chairman of Ford uh, came out basically and said that what their organisation, Ford UK, what their organisation needs from the government is ambition, consistency, and I can't remember the third one, but basically what they're saying to the British government is we businesses, we make multi-billion euro plans. We need you to give us consistent policies. Now, another company, uh, Mini, who are, who are manufacturing in the UK, they've just announced a 750 million euro investment in all electric minis in the UK. And they're absolutely horrified because what Sunak has done is he has pulled the rug on business. And what business wants most of all is a clear set of rules, clear set of regulations so that they can then tool around that. Now, what business in the UK is now left with is a situation where they don't know when these phase-outs are going to happen. Some of the things, Matt, that he listed, for example, he says, uh, we're against taxes on eating meat. Nobody was proposing taxes on eating meat. He was against new taxes to discourage flying. He was against sorting your rubbish into seven different bins. I mean, Sunak, it looks like he's been on uh, somebody's Facebook page. There's this no is, seven different bins. No, there is There's no seven different bins. Yeah, there? there is no seven different bins. Also, he's, he's against compulsory car sharing. So essentially, what he's done here is he's taken a bunch of Facebook memes and parlayed them into sort of on the hoof government policy. He reminds me a lot, actually, of Liz Truss. Oh, but what does that tell you that it might actually work? What it might do, I think it, this is shock therapy, Matt. This is a last gasp. This is the mackerel on the deck of the ship flapping around, gasping, right? So this particular mackerel is going down and they know it. And what they're doing is they're flapping around trying to see is anything, could anything stick? And the thing about the Tories, they've actually done fairly well over the last decade on the green transition. And they're taking all that now and they're basically flushing it down, down the jacks. Okay, tell me about... 
toxic air across Europe, the measurement of it. Yeah, this is a study that was published this week and, and it's, it's, it focuses on a thing called PM2.5. These are particulate matter 2.5. These are very fine grain particulate matter. Now, every time you breathe, basically, you're inhaling a certain number of these PMs and they come principally from uh, the, the combustion of solid and liquid fuels. So they're fossil fuels and solid fuels. So in Ireland, it could be combustion of coal, uh, diesel, uh, turf uh, and, and wood, particularly wet wood. So that's our sources of PM2.5. So this study uh, was done across Europe and what they, what they established is that about 98% of Europeans, including by my calculation, 100% of Irish people are breathing air that is above the WHO maximum recommended level, which comes in at um, five micrograms per cubic meter of air. Right, so basically everybody on the island of Ireland, sorry, with the exception of a tiny corner of Northwest Donegal, that's the only part of the island of Ireland where the air quality is genuinely below WHO standards. Now there is a there is a kink, Matt, in this, and that is that the EU's own current levels are actually five times higher at twenty five milligrams per cubic meter. So if you sort of overlaid this new new study and applied the EU's own regulations, you'd say that's ah, not so bad. However, the EU is in the process of up, of adopting the WHO regulations. So the reason why we haven't realised how bad air pollution in Europe is is because of we've miscounted it. Okay, but the air pollution seems to be concentrated in cities, isn't it? But it particularly is. when you look at the map of Ireland and it's very much heavily concentrated in Dublin and less so but still significant in the other cities. And yet environmental policy is to push more and more people into living in cities. So doesn't that imply that we'll have worse air quality and that we're forcing people to live in locations where they will actually have to live with this air? Well, that's that's certainly a point. The, the, the poorer air quality runs really in a band all the way from above Belfast down to about Waterford. We have other pockets like Limerick and Cork as well and they tend to be urban areas. So you'd expect that because you've got uh, obviously a lot more people, um, open fires for example. Um, the, Cars the, emissions from cars, traffic fumes and so on. This is true. And I suppose the way to resolve this, I'm not sure it's about spatial location, Matt. I think it's probably got more to do with the transition, the electrification of the Irish economy where we switch out our, our fossil fuel boilers and we replace them with heat pumps where we move, for example, away from uh, internal combustion cars towards, uh, well, first of all, towards public transport and second of all, uh, towards electric vehicles. So those type of, of, of transitions will yield huge results. Now, just... I, I haven't given you the, the stats on this. I think they're pretty staggering. 400,000 people a year in the European Union are dying as a result of inhaling foul air. Now, it's very rarely written on the death certs, but the kind of things that people do actually die from as a result of PM 2.5s are heart disease, lung disease, cancer, diabetes, depression, and a range of mental illnesses. These are all directly associated with PM 2.5s. These are a real silent killer. One final one. Tell us about the emperor penguin chicks in Antarctica. Yeah, there's a disturbing study that uh, tracked basically five breeding colonies uh, in the spring of 2022. And what they discovered is that four of the five colonies studied over that period produced zero surviving chicks. So this is a real disaster. Now, What's it been put down to? Yeah, the, the key variable is uh, sea ice. Now, the chicks, basically, penguins need to, to haul themselves up onto the sea ice um, to breed. So they breed their chicks. The chicks are born and raised at the early stage on sea ice. Now, chicks take a number of weeks to develop a waterproof coat. 
So if the sea ice begins to break up ahead of them hitting maturity, basically they, if they, in other words, if, if, a, if an immature chick goes into the water, they have 100% mortality because they basically freeze to death. So what's happening is uh, what we've seen over the last two years is a reduction in Antarctic sea ice extent over, these are over the 1980 to 2020 average levels of about two and a half million square kilometres. Now, to put that in context, Matt, that is five times the size of the area of, the, of France. So it's the equivalent sea ice area of five times the size of France. So that's a vast area that basically where there should be sea ice, winter sea ice and spring sea ice, it is now open ocean. It also, of course, has huge implications uh, for uh, the, the, the thermal balance and global warming. I know that's not what we're talking about today, but what we're seeing here, and it, it is important to say the, the emperor penguins, they have no natural predators. Right? Nobody hunts them. These animals should be thriving in the Antarctic. And we are now seeing them in, in, in full-scale decline. And it's yet another, uh, if I use that phrase, canary in the coal mine. John Gibbons, thank you. See you again next Thursday. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.